you know, you break that down. And the thing I love about AQNML so much is that we can come along to conference, you make those professional relationships, you realize that it's a complete myth that people have any sort of grandeur about them because of the position they do. And Hello and welcome to a Nurse Outwear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Out Where. My next guest grew up in Noosa and completed her general training at USQ and then worked as an AIN through her undergrad. Her grad program was uh, through Toowoomba Base and after that she then worked out at Dolby from 1996 through to 2019. She was the second last hospital trained midwifery group in Queensland at Toowoomba and then worked concurrently between Toowoomba and Dolby in maternity and birth suite, ED and theatres. She became the numb of periop acute services at Dolby and then she moved off into the private sector for Uniting Care in 2019. But during this time, she did many things. She did maternity outreach at Tara, at Jandawi, Chinchilla, in the good old days of road retrievals. She's, she's been married twice and she's got five kids. She now sits on the Queensland Rural Medical Families Network Committee, and she's done that for many years now. She's also part of the Health Workforce Queensland and the Rural Doctors Association of Queensland. And of course, we're very privileged to have her as the president of the Association of Queensland Nursing and Midwifery Leaders. Welcome, Mel Daniels. How are you? Hello, Danielle. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. The usual um, pressures of work, but we're here. We've made it to <laughs> 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. We, uh, we seem to be able to continuously fit more in but that's the nature of the work we do I guess exactly so as the podcast was called a nurse out where from your perspective can you finish the sentence I'm a nurse out where I am a nurse out where somewhere I never thought I'd be so here I am like you've just heard my bio and I have a big fat rural background and I am now a nurse by the seaside um, in Budrum on the Sunshine Coast and I live on the beach at Alexandra Headland which is nowhere I thought I'd ever be working professionally. Yeah wow wow what a location you know it must be hard work waking up to the you know sunrises over the beaches each day. Exactly seeing the ocean when I go to and from work and you know <laughs> beautiful part of the world you're in now but you did work in rural and remote so what sparked your interest there why why did you go out that way 
Well, you know, I, I grew up at Noosa, as you said, and off I went to uni in Toowoomba and um, I'm a bit of a chameleon. I adapt to the environment I'm in and I, I loved it in Toowoomba. You know, I didn't know what an RM boot was when, when I moved there from the coast and quickly um, adapted to that country lifestyle, made lots of friends through uni that have become lifelong friends that um, went to the boarding schools in Toowoomba, hang out, uh, hung out with the Dolby Ag and Gatton Ag boys and adjusted to that life quite easily and ended up married to a farmer not long after finishing uni. So, you know, I've done lots of stuff. I was president of little country PNC committees and, you know, I love the rural life. So I guess once you become part of a community, as um, as we all know, like it's hard to it's hard to leave because like you know we all play various roles but I think you become such a part of it that that you just don't want to go anywhere else yeah yeah it's interesting you say that you become the the president of the the little pnf you know you're you're a natural leader and I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about the aqnml stuff but um perhaps you could share a story or a fond memory you know keeping in mind confidentiality clause as we're all bound to but have you got a fond memory of your time working out in the rural areas yeah, I had a good think about this. And um, I did mention in my bio, as you read out about road retrievals, like that was just a different time in life. And I think that obviously the further west you go, it probably still plays an important role. But in some of those areas that are blessed with paramedics, very rarely do you like in these more regional areas and even like Dolby, where you're only an hour from Toowoomba, very rarely do you actually have to get that call from the QPS and QAS and say we'll be there in 10 minutes to pick you up and get your old Thomas pack on your back and grab your anesthetic drugs out of the fridge and try and remember some goggles and pick which doctor's coming with you and off you go and you know we did lots of those trips back in the day and they're a real highlight like I'm an ambulance chaser there's a code blue that goes off I'm an ADON now and I try and race the juniors <laughs> to the emergency <laughs> did a bit of that on Friday and they love nothing better than turning around and smiling at me when yet again I don't get my hands on a patient but um <laughs> but um you know I remember a road retrieval um we had a young child out on that Tara road and anyone that knows the Tara Mooney road out of Dolby it's pretty dodgy like it's pretty windy it's heavily treed and we had a, um, I don't know, a cop with an ambition to be a race car driver and we had a surgeon because we were concerned that we might have to do um, some amputation of some limbs from what we'd heard. It was a one-ton feeder bin with a head stuck underneath and um, two doctors, two nurses, a few theatre trays and off we were going down the Mooney Highway and I think I looked, I was in the front, the others were in the back and I think I looked at the um speedo at one point and he was doing 220 and down the double white lines and you know like you wouldn't get away with that anymore <laughs> but I kind of said to him at one point I'm a mother I have children at home you know like you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere if you kill us on the way out and I don't think anyone in the back could even get a word out and I was thinking of all our theater trays being rustled around in the back and I don't know, like that adrenaline rush, just the adrenaline of the emergency and thinking what you're about to land on, as well as a high speed um, traffic incident um, against all those big road trains on that road. But 
it was a good outcome that child they'd managed to get the child out by the time we got there and he was relatively unharmed like we um, then chopper retrieved him from Dolby once we got back and stabilized him but I could like so many MVAs in those little country towns and you literally like I said you go out with that Thomas pack on your back and not much else and a bit of courage and trust in the skills that you've learned over the years and I think in the teams like my fondest memories of rural in general if I had to give a general statement would be just being part of a team where you know each other so well like I loved my I was in Dolby a really long time I went out there straight out of a six-month grad program and you know you're in charge of ED the next night on your first night shift in and you really like no doctor on site, which is normal, but I tell you, I could tell you a few stories about the private sector where people aren't used to working that way. And I think that as rural nurses, we take for granted how skilled we are and how close those working relationships with our doctors that we do have and that we are equally as important as each other. And I loved that in Dolby for so many years. We had such a great group of um, senior nursing staff, junior nursing staff. I loved to take um, novice nurses that didn't make it into a grad program and grow our own and um, support them. And having those doctors that you'd built that relationship with over the years where you could give them a call day or night and they'd go, oh, Mel Daniels is on the phone with the GP practice out there would say, who does Mel Daniels need today? And I'd go, well... <laughs> need somebody that could do a Caesar or I need an anaesthetist like we've got the rest covered or we've got this going on because our um, hospital employed doctors are all fatigued from whatever else had gone on and I think it's just that rapport that you build and those relationships that you build that um, I cherish the most when I look back on my time in Dolby. Yeah absolutely and I think um, you know a key thing is about knowing what your skill set is and knowing the skill set of the team. And that's one thing that I know I find in rural and remote areas is that the team really builds upon each other's skill sets and works as a as a true collaborative team. Yeah. 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 For sure. Loves. Yeah. Loved it. So, you know, you, you've gone from Noosa out to Toowoomba and then out to Dolby. What are some of the things you might might miss, you know, for, when you were working out there? Um, there was a lot like in those early years in Toowoomba I really missed the beach like you know I'd grown up as a member of the Noosa Surf Lifesaving Club and was on the beach a lot and the last thing I used to do if I went home for the weekend from uni is I'd leave mum and dad's and go and jump in the ocean and then stay in my togs and towel all the way to Toowoomba so I could still feel the salt on my skin but (laughs) over time that um that changed and I was quite happy swimming in a head ditch when we were irrigating the cotton in the mud (laughs) again like I said chameleon you adapt to your environment like I could walk in there with no shoes on after a while and didn't the muddy feeling on the bottom didn't bother me but um you know I didn't miss too much to tell you the truth like like I said you you form those relationships and you I'm pretty happy where I am if I've got the people I love around me so you know once I became a mum if I had the kids with me and you know like I'm not you weren't too far rural in Dolby to like you know you're an hour from Toowoomba where you've got all the shops um online shopping was a game changer Um, (laughs) (laughs) amazing um Dolby's a pretty big town like we had two supermarkets which is pretty flash um over time and yeah 
target country. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously extended family, I guess, but again, not too far away. Probably as the kids got older, though, the thing was, where are you going to send them to high school? And my husband and I were pretty, well, we were really happy working where we were, but we um, made the decision to send the kids away to boarding school. And again, for people that send their kids hours and hours and hours away, we had it pretty good. Like they went an hour and a bit down the road to Toowoomba, but you know, I had five kids. So by when my eldest daughter went off to boarding school, I hadn't even had my youngest yet. So there are those family things that get missed by everybody not being under the one roof. And it's probably one of the bigger ones when you do have to split up your family, even if it is only on a Monday to Friday basis. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be, that can be tough, you know, for, for everyone in the family, for sure. So you've talked about some of the um, the rewarding, like the, the team environment is quite rewarding, but also some of the challenges I imagine, you know, the high speed to go and potentially do some amputations on a small child would be quite harrowing. How, how do you care for yourself in these rural and remote towns, given that they are really rewarding, but can also be quite challenging? Yeah, so I think it's different depending on what role you have. Like for me, in my younger years, you you do things socially. So you start off with all the, like, you know, you've got three pubs in town and whichever one is the favourite at the time and then whichever one stays open till two in the morning, that's where you end up. And then you have kids, so you become part of that, um, you know, you make friends at daycare and nursing's so good because you tend to be able to join up with people that are going at that same time in their lives as what you are. So when you're young and single and carefree, then you've got that younger party crowd. And then when you're raising young kids, you kind of go there. And then, I don't know, you get to like me and you're raising kids with every generation because you keep having them for so long. <laughs> and you become a bit of a mentor parent to the ones that are starting out. And um, so I think being part of the community, I used to go to a gym like every day after work with people that weren't from work just to get that bit of separation and get your head together before you go home and face the family. Um, over the years, my husband and I, because we were both working at the hospital and both working a lot of hours at the hospital and doing on-call work, if we weren't on-call for a weekend, we used to come over here here to the coast we had our house here for quite a number of years before we finally made the move and that was just really good downtime for us to reset and know because when you live in a small town you hear those sirens in your head even when you're not on call you're mentally thinking right who's on shift I wonder what that is do they need any help like because if you're there you'll go and help so I think to get that separation and have that downtime is really important yeah yeah absolutely for sure so um, you've, you've kind of covered this question already about what you do on your days off. Like how, how do you fill in your downtime if you're staying in the community? Yeah, so um, out there, like, again, once you've got children, well, when you don't have children and back in the BNS ball days, there's always something on somewhere. And I've got a daughter now living out in Roma. She's a grad dietitian and I feel like she's living my old life, Nelly. Like she's off to the races or the rugby or anything within a four hour vicinity and she's there. And that's what we used to do a lot as younger people in those country towns. And then 
again, once you've got the kids, as everybody knows, they're doing something sporting wise normally on a Saturday and then Sunday is a bit of that downtime and catching up on housework. And it's not that different now, even living on the coast, like, you know, Saturdays are running around after the kids and everything they do and Sundays, well, we start our days with nippers down on the beach, which is beautiful and a Sunday morning and then housework, groceries, ironing the uniforms, having a quick peek on what's in your work calendar for the next week and seeing if there's anything <laughs> you need to read over and yeah so pretty similar yeah yeah now I'm going to go a little bit off script now but I'd like to talk to you about your role as the president of AQNML can you can you tell us a bit about AQNML like the um, association and how people might get involved yeah, so the Association of Nursing and Midwifery Leaders has been around for about 73 years now. It's got a long, proud history in Queensland nursing, and it started back as the Matrons Association of Queensland back in the day, and it's evolved over time. So um, I think that initially they changed to then the Directors of Nursing Association because there were some boys coming up in the mixes, so we couldn't make it matrons anymore, and then um, Association of Queensland Nursing Leaders and then midwifery became a standalone profession and then we got the whole big long mouthful of the Association <laughs> of Queensland Nursing and Midwifery Leaders and it really started as um, a bit of a professional networking association where the matrons of Queensland all came to Brisbane once a year and they did a lot of um, strategic type meetings with the government and the health minister and were quite influential in planning healthcare across the state. And that was for both the private and public sector back in the day. And then um, over the years, it's evolved to where we are now. I think around the time it became the AQNL, um, it then opened up to like nurses at that num level. And then um, now over time, we've become a far more inclusive um, association for nursing leadership at every level, including our emerging nurse leaders, because I think that that legacy of the association in nurturing leadership, like, you know, if we don't, we all talk about it in so many different forums these days, but if we don't show the next generation how, while we're there with the knowledge we've got, then you know, how will they know? And I think that we've all got a legacy to leave behind us. And I don't know, I feel I feel pretty old now thinking that I'm one of those people that's <laughs> even thinking that way. Hardly, hardly. Because when I came in, I felt like the biggest imposter ever. You know, I was encouraged to come along by my um, Don and great friend and mentor at the time, Colleen Rasmussen, that was very influential in the AQ NL, NL back then and Carrie Burke in Toowoomba who I had a lot to do with, who um, equally is passionate about our association and dragged me along to a conference. And I thought, oh, my God, like there's an Edon over there. And, you know, <laughs> it's Veronica Casey and Shelley Nolan. And then, you know, you break that down. And the thing I love about AQNML so much is that we can come along to conference. You make those professional relationships. You realise that... It's a complete myth that people have any sort of grandeur about them because of the position they do. And like a leadership strategy that I hold very dear to me is that I don't think that whatever position I'm in, that I'm any different to anybody else. I'm just playing a different part in the puzzle depending on where I am. And I think that when you 
come to an event like the AQNML conference, you see that firsthand that we're we're all there, we're all doing different jobs, we've all got similar challenges. Um, you know, everyone's just a normal person. And I think that the greatest um, nurse leaders I know are the most understated ones that think that they're nothing special, but far out, I could sit and listen to them all day long because they just, the stories that they have to tell and the experiences they have to share are just invaluable. Yeah, yeah. And we recently had the AQNML conference um, in Brisbane and I attended for the first time, I'll admit. Um, As a speaker. As a speaker, as an invited speaker, yes, and I did talk about this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it was the I, you're right, like it was about during the day, it was about strategy and performance and collaboration with public and private, and you know, really thinking big picture kind of stuff, which often we don't get time to do in our roles as leaders. But then we had the dinner, and it was a fancy dress, and when we say fancy dress, like we mean fancy dress. There was no kidding around. That was true. And it, that, that then puts everybody on the same level playing field. And you're right. There was emerging leaders through to the chief nurse and everyone was at the same level, having a good time, letting off some steam. And there was no, no, no worries about your behaviour. And being able to show up tomorrow and still having that same respect for the positions of that you're in. Yeah, so I think that ethos is really, um, really embedded in the association. And, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and I just think, like, and those, to me, it's the relationships. It's knowing that you can pick up the phone and go, hey, I met you at AQNML. What do you think about? And I used to do that a lot in my role in um, when I was with Darling Downs Health and in Dolby. Like, don't ever be afraid. And I think that, and you'll probably get to this question, I'm probably skipping ahead, but don't ever be afraid to think that there's no one that you have to call to give you support for anything at all. And that's what I love about nursing and midwifery so much. Like, literally any question you could ever think of whether it be clinical in a clinical scenario or management or HR or workforce or whatever there is always somebody on the end of an email or a phone that would do anything to help you yeah absolutely absolutely well and that's a good segue because the next thing I was going to ask you is what would be your top three tips if there's someone like you you know thinking about moving from Noosa to Dolby, what would be your top tips if they were thinking about joining the rural and remote workforce? Yeah, um, well, definitely. And I've heard enough podcasts and heard people talk <laughs> about it, but like, just, just go for it. Like, do it. Like, you've really got nothing to lose. You are never on your own. If you're a bit nervous, then that's actually a really good sign because it means it's something that you really want to do. Um, look at where you're going though. Like, if you've been and I talked to a few people here at um, Budrum Private that have been in the private sector and you know it's very it is very different um, when you're in these bigger hospitals and you know you might be in a eight theatre complex like we run here like don't go out and be a single nurse posting straight up like let's just do a bit of a transition and I remember talking to you at conference Danielle about that with um a midwifery manager that we've got here that reckons she can have a good go at it midwifery wise in the country and I know that she can but I said this is my friend she's from Noosa she likes seven star hotels and she loves white linen 
you know, we're not going to send her to Dumaji or somewhere straight up. No, not in the first round. Yeah, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start at an entry-level rural posting. But, like, really just be a little bit realistic about where you're at. Like, I heard um, Pauline Kalisha speak a few weeks ago on your podcast about, you know, having your ALS and your PALS, knowing um, a bit about, yeah, um, primary care manual like all those tricks of the trade that we know but I think also just knowing as you indicated earlier the limitation like what is what is your scope don't ever be tricked into thinking that you need to break any professional boundaries because of the location you're in like you know they stick it doesn't matter it's a bit like um yeah algorithms for your ALS they don't change depending on your location basics are basics and you can only do what you can do and you know, if you're in a rural location, I used to say this to um, the midwives all the time that were doing like night shifts by themselves as the only midwife for the first time. You can hit the red buzzer as much as you want, but like the PED team is not coming. We don't have one. So get to know who's on shift with you and what their skills are and talk to them at the beginning of the shift and say, if I have a flat baby tonight, this is what I'm going to need you to do. And it might be as simple as I'm going to ask you to pass me pass me this bit of equipment and go and ring this doctor's number here. Like just prepare yourself and know what you've got at hand. Yeah, I think that's that's really pertinent advice. I, I think knowing what's your scope, knowing who to ask, and regardless of what pressures may be put on you within any organisation, you you don't vary from your scope. Don't, be, don't put yourself in a, you know, predicament where you might question your registration. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. They're really cool tips. So thank you for your time today. I've appreciated you staying back at work and being able to have a yarn. <laughs> I'll let you knock off and drive past the beach on your way home as you do. And I'll think fondly of it. <laughs> Someone's got to do it, hey? <laughs> all right. All right. We'll give it to you this time. But um, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. And I look forward to next year's AQNML conference. Yes, and everybody listening, please um, have a look at it and come on along. Like, it's, it's a great experience. You wouldn't regret it. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Danielle. If this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.